Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay, reporting Rachel. from the Pepto Room. You're from the Pepto Room. <laughs> I see it right there. I see the Pepto Room. Are those real flowers right there? Nah. They're not. They're fake. Yeah, they're remember fake. That, remember uh, uh, the plant that I bought, Oscar? Remember him? Oh, my God. What happened to Oscar? So Oscar was bringing too many bugs into the house, so I had to get rid of Oscar and <laughs> no, put him outside. That should not be happening. What y'all got going on there? Well, no, Oscar was like having bugs come in, and they were getting on Oscar, so I put Oscar outside. Oscar had a very rough patch, but I'm bringing him back now. Oscar is green, green, green. Wait, Oscar doing he never thing. left? Well, no, he's outside. Oh. And so we can put get some sun out there, but Oscar's like... At first, I'm like, I'll lie. Out of sight, out of Oscar mind. And then, <laughs> and then like, it was like, uh, you know, it's a living thing. So you got to take care of it. I wouldn't let that happen to Bozeman. So I take care of Oscar. Not the same. Not even close to the same thing. Okay. One has a soul. Now, question. Wow. God damn. I hate, I'm not a good plant person. And mind right. you, now I'm in a place where there's a bunch of them. But question. Did you get Oscar before or after you won an Oscar? Oh, it was before. <laughs> so we manifested this. We manifested it. Okay, yeah. okay. I totally forgot about Oscar. That's why mm. you got to keep him alive. You know what I mean? Got to keep Oscar alive. Make okay, sure he's he's, he's not hope. Yeah, he's... You know what I mean? You know, like, it's not, we're not I, keeping look, hope alive here. <laughs> got to keep Oscar alive. Got to keep Oscar alive. Uh, what'd you do this weekend? You know, people have said that this is their favorite part of the podcast, the the beginning banter of the podcast. But you know what? I appreciate that. And I'm glad that Thought Warriors like it because I feel like we used to do this in the beginning and then we kind of lost our way as people seem to do on the journey of life. And now we've come back to, uh, you know, what's us. Yeah. But what I do this weekend, I had a crazy, I had a crazy weekend. I had a crazy weekend. What's a crazy weekend? Well, busy. I moved and then... As soon as I moved, I had to leave the next day, go to Miami on a Saturday. So moved on a Friday, went to Miami on a Saturday, landed at almost midnight, worked all day Sunday in Miami, and then Jesus. flew back and then flew back Sunday night and then had a 7.30 a.m. live hit um, that I had to be ready for. <laughs> I'm tired, y'all. Rach, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Rach. But can I say that, like, this is one of my most favorite parts of the day. Like, I look forward to coming on here and doing this. Like, this this keeps me sane. Maybe not Van in particular, but this this space keeps me sane. Rach, do me a favor. Try lazy. Just try it. <laughs> Just try it. I got a mortgage now. I got a mortgage now. I can't say no to anything. I can't say no to anything. It's very true. It's very true. Uh, what did I do this weekend? Um, ooh, I, I got back on my um, super eating healthy grind. Super. Ridiculously healthy. Uh, you know what? Do you cook or do you do a meal plan? I cook. Brian has this great meal plan. They deliver it like twice a week. And he like sticks to it three meals a day. You should look. You should hit him up about it. I want to be like Brian. Just trying to help you with your eating. Not saying you gotta be like Brian. It's tough to cook all the time. I don't need anybody got time for that. I don't need that as my metric. I said the food service. 
Nah, man. You said you said, hey, you have that little muscle on the side of your waist. <laughs> nah, I don't need that as my metric. I don't want to wow. be like Brian. You you know what? What? You tell Brian to be like me. How about that? You How tell Brian. No. You tell Brian. <laughs> you tell you know what? I'm not because it's just as impressive, right? Me getting like Brian would be just as impressive as Brian getting like me. That's going to be so funny. That's going to be so funny. I'll tell him. I'll tell him tonight. Me and Brian should just switch places. I wonder who could get there faster. I wonder if Brian could get to like 280 faster. Or if I could get to, because I've been Brian, but Brian's never been me. See, that's that's the difference. That's the difference. So you might have just answered it. I haven't been that lean. I've been lean as fuck, but it's different. It's different. Um, I just hung around. I hung around. I ate right. I lost from Thursday to Monday. I lost six pounds. Jeez. Good job. Yeah. yeah I'm doing my thing. I don't give a fuck anymore. It's happening. Um, actively I gotta tell black. you. I, I, have a, I have a deal with this clothing line, Actively Black. Everybody go look up Actively Black. I'm going to start like Come on, documenting, documenting my, uh, my journey. Yeah. So we're in Oscar mode here, right? The road to the Oscars. Oscars is Sunday. Right. Can you believe it's been a year, Van? It's been, it's been a, year. a year. It's been a year. I mean, Oscars was later last year, but it's been a year. Wow. It's been a year. Wow. Y'all remember it's when he tried year. to be like, I don't really care if I win, you know? Yeah. And then and then capture him crying, holding the And <laughs> as you should have, it's huge. Anyways, um, so I'm watching movies leading uh-huh. up to the Oscars. Have you seen all the best picture, best yes. best um okay, I have not. I watched Coda. Jesus Christ. I can't even talk about it without getting emotional. Yeah, it's a lot. And if you guys have not seen Coda, please go see it. And I say, and I say emotion because it's just such a beautiful movie about family yeah. and love and sacrifice and growth and just hope. I just love it so much. I was on the plane and man, uh-huh. I started off with just the tears. And next thing I knew, like my body, because I was trying to like hold it in. And I was That's like, Rachel, the flight attendant goes, "Are you okay?" (laughs) What about the part where she's singing? Spoiler alert! And her okay. That's the first time I cried. That's the first time. So fucking nuts. Spoiler alert! We're gonna talk about spoiler alert. Yes, talk about the scene. I I didn't. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin it because it's too. There were three times. Like and then like and she's it's just so tough. Like Kalika will sometimes watch a sad movie and it'll like ruin her like the day is shot <laughs> <What's this laughs> like, one? i like, gotta talk today, to her about coda like the day is shot and like i come in and like i come back from somewhere and she's watching coda and she's into it and i'm like fuck it this is this saturday's nuked she's gonna be sad <laughs> whatever coda triggers is like is, is sad but then, then i have to watch it of course because you know oscar time it's a great movie great movie shout out to marley matlin who's had a great oh movie. gosh there are three that the moment you're talking about the concert the moment where he's listening to her sing with his hands uh-huh touching her because he yeah. yes yes and then when she during her audition yeah it's tough like l- <gasps> <Yeah. gasps> can you, <laughs> that ima- can you Code is so good. Oh gosh, y'all, please! Not, it, it has to win Best Picture. It really does. Oh, it, it'll it's win. just I watched that. I mean, and the, power the, the power of the dog is right there too. Are the, okay, let's. Well, I, we don't have it next time. We can talk on Thursday. We can talk about or Friday. We can talk about what we think. What we think will win. We can do that because right. I don't yeah. have the list in front of me. 
right. Power the dog is right there too. A lot of people are saying power the dog. Um, but yeah, good can't wait for the exception speech. Good, yeah. <laughs> right there. Power the dog, Jane Campion is up there. She's like, I know what it's like to work really, really hard to win an Academy Award. Not like those guys from Moonlight. They basically <laughs> want that's Jane Campion. Why wait? Jane Campion's cool. She just had a white woman moment. That's 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 what you have to call it. That's exactly and what it was. A, she had a white woman moment. White people have white moments. What's the biggest white moment you feel like? Have you have you ever had like a oh, <laughs> oh sorry? <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> I wonder what kind of soup he's eating right now. <laughs> I wonder what his favorite soup Shut is. Shut up. <laughs> He's somewhere right now. He can't afford. He's probably eating well. Yes. What's your moment? What's your moment? Uh, uh what's my? Oh, I know a moment. Well, I worked at TMZ, so there were so many moments. There were so many moments where people. Oh, but like the one moment I told you guys about this—the moment where where uh, Harvey put the poll on the website where oh, yes. he asked yes. whether or not black people should be called African Americans or niggas. That was a real poll that went up on TMZ's website. I'm gonna tell you guys, listen. Once again, I'm gonna tell the story. So we got Suge Knight out. So bad. They asked Suge Knight, African American and niggas. I don't know why. It was because of that guy, Ab Sandler's friend, had said it. And then he had said Suge Knight let him say it. He's like, to me, nigga is more of a thing than African American. Harvey then took it and put it on the site. Should black people be called African Americans <laughs> or niggas? I remember I got a call. I'm like, yo niggas was like what the fuck man what's going on up there i was on work i didn't even see it oh so they did it on your day off well probably- it's not like they did it on my day off it's not like they were but like i was off you know what i mean and i wasn't in the newsroom at that time so by the time i saw it, it was on the site and i came back in i'm like yeah guys obviously this is a fucking no-no what the <laughs> fuck crazy that's definitely your moment did, Bruh, did, they, did they take it down after no like, it lived well, what, it lived so on the site it might still be up so what they would do what was is, the percentage i gotta go <laughs> what was the percentage man oh my god it might still be up they might no it's it not no it's not it can't it be. might still be up. well the, I, I don't know if it's if it's like hold on let me see african it just I, can't TMZ African American or niggas. Hold on for a second. TMZ <laughs> African Americans or <laughs> niggas. Hold on, let me see what comes up. It just came. <laughs> Poll TMZ. Should black people be called niggas or African Americans? News1.com. TMZ Suge Knight inspired, inspired poll. This is December 17th, 2013. This is literally, I'm literally there for like a year and a half. TMZ asked if black people should be called the word African-American. Think about how wild this is. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, see the poll results below. You like, let me, oh, so the video they put in on private, the poll, the post has about 370 comments and most of them are as racist and ignorant as one would expect. So I, you, you can't see it anymore because I guess it's not on the site anymore, but it lives on because it obviously, it uh, it got covered. It got covered. TMZ. Damn. Nuts. Oh, here it is. No, no, wait. What's no, the poll? It... Oh. Oh, no, they took the poll out. <laughs> they took the poll out, but it's still Probably there. because of what was winning. 
Suge Knight is offended when people call him African-American because he's not African. On the other hand, he doesn't have a problem with the word nigga. Suge says it's offensive to to label all black people African-American. Blah, blah, blah. Who gives a fuck? At first, his theory sounds a little shoppy, but maybe he has a point. But maybe he has a point. I can't wait till my book comes out. I'm sorry. You guys got to read it. TMZ chapter. So is this, is this, ooh, ooh, wait, there's a TMZ chapter. Do you think yeah. you're going to make people upset? No. Because I was very democratic. Did legal have to check with TMZ? They had to. They had to. <laughs> they had to check. Legal had to check with The Bachelor. You didn't know. have to, you didn't have to talk to an attorney about certain things in your book? I no. did. Maybe we'll be sued, but they'll have to sue <laughs> Hachette, not me. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll be sued. But like, this is, uh, it's just, but even that though, think about this. And this is Uncle Tom stepping fashion bad lately. <laughs> even that though, I took that up. It's all oh, they white. They don't, they, you know, they just need somebody. I would something like that happen? Here's the thing. Something like that would happen. And I would think this is the more reason that I should stick around. I get, I, I totally understand that. You think if I leave, first of all, you think what was happening before I got there. And if right. I leave, what will happen? I get that. Right. It's I like get the, that. The, this is the more reason I should stick around. And Nina had been there before me and Nina left literally within the first six months I was at TMZ. Oh, I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah. Like I didn't work with Nina for maybe about half a year, not even a year. And I remember Nina, when Nina left, I was like, oh shit. But, but I was like, why would she leave? Mm. I was like, why would she leave? And think about it. The amazing, glorious, great Nina Parker, a mogul. She's great. She's great. Nina Parker, a mogul, right? It's been 11 years or something like that. 10 years almost, maybe more since she left TMZ. She's been, she's got her glow up, doing her whole thing since she left. It's tough. It's a tough situation. <laughs> um, But that was the biggest, I guess, white woman like white did they replace you with another black person not really but like they uh they like um there was people already there you know that were coming up because i used to say that i was used to be like y'all want me to stop talking about stuff just bring in another black person another nigga and like that's literally like they don't need me they have that they have another black person in there who, i mean who, i don't want to be there but who is the black person that they brought in Tasha? uh michelle Michelle's doing like Michelle, uh, you know, I left that podcast. Now Michelle's the new host of the oh, podcast. Like, like the, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love Michelle. Oh, oh, we want people to win. We want people to oh, win. Oh, oh my gosh. I love Michelle. Like, Michelle's I great. really, really do. Michelle's great. You don't like Tasha though. That's you, not true. You don't like her. We all know it to be true. You know. But Tasha not black. So they couldn't have recorded, you know. She's uh Did she tell you that? What was implied? Very controversial interview. I could have gone a lot harder. That actually was a very controversial interview, and people people were upset with some of the questions we asked, which I thought we were extremely nice. Extremely nice. This is what I'll say before we move on to another incredibly controversial uh, topic. I want people to understand about that interview. Let's let's do it. We know what we should do. We should have a segment. I haven't suggested a new segment in a long time. I already know what you're going to say. What's the, what? What segment do you think we should? I, I should we should do? You're gonna say where we go back yeah. and redo and redo interviews. Well, redo or, re- redo interviews like a higher learning rewind, 
where we go back and look at something that we already covered and pick apart. And I like it. Yeah, and see if we'd have covered it the same way. If and just go back and look at some of the moments, like watershed moments in the podcast, a higher learning rewind. I like it. I and and listen, thought warriors. Put out what some of your favorite interviews are, and we'll and we'll, we'll other than Michael Rapaport, right? <laughs> but no, I think that you would do some things differently, maybe in that interview. Maybe so that would actually be a good one. So if I was just thinking about it right now, is and I gotta say this: where I'm from, black people are not trusting of black people who other themselves. I'll just be honest with you. Okay, if we all sitting in the bullpen. Not a bullpen, because I don't want to say that we all going to jail. If we all sitting down on the bench, <laughs> we all sitting down somewhere, and you look like you look, I look like I look, Tasha looks like Tasha looks, we all look around, and we all accept that we're all black, and then for some reason you go, wait a minute, I'm not black, I'm this. We, right Absolutely. or wrong, are inherently distrustful of like, why don't I want to be a nigga? Yeah. Like, why, like, 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 excuse me, not a nigga. I'm oh, sorry. Why don't you want to be a black person? Like, why you don't want to be one of it? Like, what is it? What is it? Like, what do you, do you, are you looking to be as less black as you can? Do you feel like that's going to get you something? And, you know, it's not fair to people like Tasha, but it's just a kind of a thing. Maybe you need to do better. Who knows? No, it's a, it's a real question. And we should ask, we should ask, come back, come back after we have conversation. Yeah, ta- Tasha, come back. Tasha, Tasha, come back. Tasha, Tasha, come back. Tasha, finish delivering the soup to to to, to soup kitchen because I'm sure he has a different. Could you imagine if like a different bachelor contestant every day delivered him the soup? <laughs> Stop! Get <laughs> off it. But you know what? If we have her back, maybe we should have um, Camille on as well. Yeah, we should have Camille on. Camille is. We should have good. them both. We should have them both on. We should have a because should... then she's got somebody like more. It would be like us and them. You know what's funny? This is a fucking fantastic idea. Like I don't, she would never do this. But this is this is a, this is a fantastic idea that we should we should litigate the Camille the Camille being black thing. We should have her back on. I know the higher learning audience they're gonna ask for D one to come back on. They're gonna want us to uh, take a sort of a different tone right there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> on the other side of this break, the big deal. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise. But if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal. You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. 
Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Okay, Leah Thomas has become the first transgender woman to win an NCAA championship. I'm sure you guys heard about this. Uh, she absolutely dominated. She took control of the, of the final 100 yards with a 500-yard freestyle to make history Thursday as the first transgender woman to win an NCAA swimming championship. Okay. Uh, Leah Thomas started her career at Penn as a male swimmer. Or should I say okay. she had not trans- transitioned yet to being a woman. Right. Okay. Um, she transitioned, uh, I think it was maybe like a year and a half ago. She was still identifying, she was still a member of the men's swim team and she was in the four hundreds in terms of, uh, where she was in terms of being in the NCAA swimming. That's where she was ranked. Now she's the best. She's the best because she reclassified. She joined the women's swim team at Penn after she uh, came out and she has been taking hormone therapy, I think, for around a year, a year and a half. Uh, She's met the NCAA requirements for her to be able to swim. Now, a lot of people are looking at this and saying that this is absolutely unfair. That Leah Thomas has had uh, a biological and physical advantage over the rest of these women, and this should not have happened. I'm sure you're open this story. Rachel, what do you think? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's tough. It's tough because my my initial reaction before I knew the that um when Leah was competing on the men's team, that she was ranked 400 to 300 200 i've heard i've heard all those numbers but uh, not top 10 not top 100 um and then i learned later that when she um transitioned she was at the top um but i didn't know that at first so officially originally when i heard it i thought okay like if if she's competing within the ncaa rules then what's the big deal right like She's a woman. She's competing on the woman's team. That seems fair to me. Then I learned about the ranking. Then I learned about the difference. Then I started listening to other athletes who are in competition with Leah speak out. Then I heard from other female athletes, even outside of the sport. And so I'm in this place. And the reason I hesitate is because I am not a part of the community, the LGBTQ plus community, and I'm not a collegiate athlete never was one so i'm not i'm not directly impacted by it so it's hard to have an opinion when i don't feel like i can really speak on it but i have to say if i'm just looking at it it doesn't seem fair and 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 i and it's not that it doesn't seem fair because of what her ranking was when she was on the men's team versus now it doesn't seem fair because there doesn't seem to be a rule that can apply to make it fair for everyone who's competing in this sport that's why i that's more so i don't see the NCAA coming up with a rule that makes everyone who's competing feel comfortable 
And I and that's where I what I struggle with. You can't have a blanket rule and you can't observe people on a case by case basis. That doesn't seem fair either. Treating each person like they're an experiment and I got to, you know, I got to monitor you and you got to be testing all the time and doing this. That doesn't seem fair either to the to the trans man or trans woman. So. I, 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 I'm not going to say as far as saying that, you know, like they should not be able to compete in sports. I would never say that. But when it comes to this case specifically, it doesn't seem like the rules match what's happening with Leah Thomas. And, and it's specifically when you pull out things like the um, other athletes who were knocked out and did not make the team did not make the finals, did not make the big cut because Leah did. It does seem as if there is a certain unfair advantage and it just doesn't seem like the science has caught up with the rules. Huh. So the last thing you said is probably the, like I, to me, it's not fair, you know? Um, and I say that as compassionately as I can say it. Uh, I w- and I think the way that it will become fair is that if we continue to have conversations about what is fair, and I think mm-hmm. that is where we need to be right now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's no, Leah doesn't have anything to be ashamed of. No. She, she adhered to the rules the way the rules exactly. are. Exactly. She doesn't have anything to be ashamed of. Uh, it would be gut-wrenching if you were one of the other ladies who feels like she got an unfair advantage. So mm-hmm. let's listen to some people on this. Okay, Michael Phelps, he knows a little bit something about swimming. He was um, on CNN <laughs> not too long ago, uh, and he spoke out on the topic. I mean, look, like I... I'll say, you know, I, I can talk from a standpoint of, of doping. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've competed in a clean field in my entire career. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think this leads back to the organizing committees again, um, because it has to be a level playing field. I think that's something that, that we all need um, because it's it, like, that's what sports are. Uh, and, and for me, um, I, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know um, what's going to happen. Um, I, I believe that we all should feel comfortable with who we are in our own skin. Um, but I think sports should all be played at an even playing field. I don't know what that looks like in the future. Um, but it's 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 hard. Huh. Okay. Uh, so interesting that that's Michael Phelps, Yale transgender swimmer Isaac Hennig. Who actually beat Leah Thomas in January? Uh, recently spoke about the controversy and offered the other side of the argument. Check it out. Things that I always come back to is an athlete like Michael Phelps, who we can all point to and say, "Yeah, he has twice the lung capacity of, of any one of his competitors." But no one was upset or you know calling it unfair. If you're going to point to those things, then your conclusion has to be, "Well, yeah, they were built to do sport." You know, or they were built to swim. It, it's not about puberty because anyone can can go through any sort of hormonal change and still not be a great athlete because there is just so much more to great athletes than hormones. All right. Um, Martina Navratilova, who obviously Martina Navratilova, Navratilova, Martina Navratilova. I could say her name in the past. Martina Navratilova. Uh, weighed in on it and was absolutely direct says that leah should not be able to compete and this is completely unfair well it's not about excluding transgender women from winning ever 
but it is about not allowing them to win when they were not anywhere near winning as 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 men. The solution perhaps for now is to swim in a lane or you can compete, but you don't get the medal uh, because the rules are not correct. But right now the rules are what they are. Maybe put an asterisk there. If she starts breaking records left and right, Leah goes to the Olympics because she's hitting her prime now physically. And in the future, maybe have a, it should be an open category for, for everybody and then biological females. So let's litigate this real quick. Um, Isaac says that in this particular situation, that certain athletes have certain advantages. And he pointed to the fact that Michael Phelps has an advantage because of increased uh, lung capacity. We all know that to be true. Within sports, the playing field is not equal. It's level. Sure. And there are two different things. There's the uh, equal playing field would be everybody is five foot ten, 195 pounds, and does this. And let's see who has. That's not it. It's a level playing field, mean, meaning we all qualify under the same thing. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, boxing. They try to level the playing field in boxing as much as they can by having weight classes. You would not have a a heavyweight, which I am, boxing against a 147-pounder. You wouldn't have that, right? Now, within the 147-pound division, there are, of course, differences in talent, differences in reflexes, differences in stamina, the ability to take a punch, all of those things, right? The question is, does being born male, having the chromosome, whatever it is, make it completely out of the question after, because I guess I was wrong, I misspoke earlier, Leah had been uh, transitioning since 29, she began, began her transition in 2019, so it's a little over, little over two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that too much of an advantage in order, uh, in order to compete with women? Wait, is what too much? Is this being born biologically male? Is that too big of an advantage to be able to compete against other women? Um, I'm going to be honest with you here. Okay. In my opinion, this is not fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't really feel like it's hyper-controversial that it isn't fair. I think it brings up a lot of questions. It brings up the questions that we have in terms of the differences between men and women's sports uh, in and of themselves. You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. if you compare men and, men and women's sports across the board, uh, in most sports, you'll see the men performing in a different way because physiologically, men are different than women. Men are different than women physiologically. The question is, in order to make sure we have a place where trans kids, trans adults, trans Americans can compete and not feel like they can express themselves in the world of sports. How level of a playing field can we make it? Can we make it a level enough playing field where it can actually be fair? Because Mm -hmm. if it's not, then I want to make sure that everyone understands what we're talking about. We're talking about then the potential of having women's sports dominated perhaps dominated by trans athletes and there are a lot of people who say hey it's women dominating women 
fine by me. It is women dominating women. Trans women are women. But how do we get to a point to where without pitchforks and without fire that we can have a conversation about this that actually dissects the actual issue? That it's not like, hey, you know it's not fair. Fuck (laughs) off. And hey, well, well, hey, like, like I'm a woman, let me compete with everyone, even though I have a clear, clear physiological advantage over them that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So uh, we all got to grow up and put our, our big boy and girl pants on this one. We, we, we really do. And we have to be unafraid to have the conversation. Well, and I think that the most damning evidence in the Leah Thomas case is what she placed when she was competing on the men's team versus what she placed competing against the women's team. Now, if you just look at that, okay, like you can't deny it. Now, if you want to take Isaac's point of view, that's right, right? It's Isaac's. And and which we should point out is um, a trans man, but is still competing on the women's team because she has not gone through the transition. She stopped. Right. We should acknowledge that. Um, If you take what she's saying in regards to Michael Phelps, then it's like, okay, Michael Phelps has twice the lung capacity as, you know, a, a regular swimmer. Is that what it is? Is that what this is? It is. He's got twice. He's got bigger lungs. Yeah. Bigger lungs. Okay. Then break that down in Leah Thomas's case. You know, does Leah have bigger lungs? And then it's like, okay, well, she's got this this type of, you know, physiological advantage. It's not because she's transitioned to a woman from a man to a woman. I think you have to, I literally think you have to break it down like that. Because if you can't point to something else, then logically, when you break it down, what else are you going to point to when you ta- look at the numbers of what happened when she was on the men's team versus when she was on the women's team? And I really that's why I say that's the most damning evidence, I think, when it comes to this as to why it appears unfair, because we've seen what happened in one in one instance and we've seen what happens in another. And you can't deny that. But then it also seems very unfair to start you know, subjecting trans men and women to these case-by-case tests and them constantly having to test every six months or three months or a year or whatever it, it may be, or putting them in a separate lane from everyone else, and now you're not acknowledging you know, who they are. It is very complicated, but I think that you can't just say, well, they're a woman or they're a man. It can't be that simple when you look at a case like Leah Thomas. You, it just can't. This is my fear. So you get people on this and we we seem to have drawn a clear moral line in the sand between two groups of groups of people in this country. Mm-hmm. On one side, there are people who are willing to fight for equality, fight for inclusion, fight for an ever expanding definition of what it means to be an American. Mm-hmm. These people are on one side of this line. These people are willing to have uh, uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> These people are willing to advocate for people who they don't really understand. Um, These people are willing to go forward with love and try to brick by brick build an America. All right. That everyone can see themselves in. On the other side of this line, there's another group of people. That other group of people seems to be a group of people who believe in the American status quo to a degree. Well, they want to tell you everything you can and cannot do 
uh, while you're in this country. They mm-hmm. want to tell you what you can do with your body. They want to tell you who you are. They want to tell you where you can go. And I think we know cl- very clearly who those people are. Mm-hmm. Those people take instances like this. Yeah. Where the lay person looks at this and says, that's obviously not fair. And they weaponize this issue. Right. Um, They weaponize it and they make it a very, very easy uh, sort of political sacrificial lamb to show everyone just how crazy we all are. Mm-hmm. Right. We have to be braver than they are insane. And right. it's very, very tough. We have to be braver than they are crazy. And it's 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 hard because in certain situations, in dealing with things that are this complicated, there's not always going it's not gonna always gonna end up the way that we thought it did. And mm-hmm. we have to be unafraid to actually say that. In this particular situation, it might be a case to where we go, okay, we're gonna get to what's right, but this particular situation, this is obviously not right. This is we obviously have a ways to go in order to understand how this is going to be done in a holistic way. But mm-hmm. we have to be brave, meaning we can't get the pitchforks out for one another. We have to be able to talk, ask questions, and we have to accept the information that we get back. Right. And yeah. I think that's the real exercise of this particular situation. The real exercise of this particular situation is not about them. For one time, I don't agree. Now what? Now what do we do? Do we figure yeah. out who's right and who's wrong? Is there a right and a wrong? No. Or do we need to work together to establish what right is? That is. It's the purpose behind it, right? The purpose isn't to say that they can't compete. The purpose is how can we come together to get it to a point where it seems, to use your word, leveled for everyone. That's the purpose. That's the motivating force behind it. It's not a right or a wrong. It's how can we get this to a place where the rules catch up to what is 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 going on in you know in society or in sports or whatever the issue may be that's the goal but yes when the other side picks it apart and uses what you might have said in this conversation or me to their advantage they're missing they have a totally different purpose and 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 motivating force behind what it is that they want to do and i think that's how you have to look at it and i think one of the biggest th- most important things you said is in none of and none of this is leah thomas's fault She's doing exactly what she's supposed to. She's working within the rules. She's being true to herself and working within these rules. And we should say that the NCAA uh, has been very vague and sort of feckless on their rules for competition here. They've Mm -hmm. punted this several times. They came out with new guidelines not too long ago. Those guidelines just continued to kick the situation to the individual sports and then to the actual individual agencies and then all the way up to the Olympic agencies that will govern the entire sport at the Olympic level, the NCAA seems to not want to set guidelines that make this uh, an issue that people have clarity on. Because, let's be real with you, it's quagmire. It's a powder mm-hmm. keg. Okay? Something mm-hmm. that is very politically charged, it's socially charged, um, and it's delicate. Uh, what we wanted to do here was make sure that we had somebody on the podcast that can speak to the issues and to the feelings of the transgender community on this. And we have Raquel Willis joining us. 
on the other side of this break on higher learning transgender activists all around fantastic human being yep. uh, Raquel Willis will be joining us and we're going to ask her some of these questions um, and hopefully we don't get cancelled you know we might <laughs> we'll see what happens alright on the other side of this break this episode is brought to you by Viore I love sports I know you do too I also know that lots of you exercise but if you're like me and my wife the the beloved sports gal you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so... We are we are talking about Leah Thomas, and we will be hard pressed not to have a member of the community on our podcast today. And we are blessed to have Raquel Willis, who is a black transgender act- activist, writer, and media strategist dedicated to elevating the dignity of marginalized marginalized people, particularly black transgender people. Now, when I read that right there. That's like a lot. <laughs> That's a lot to live up to. Do you ever feel any pressure about like, think about it. You're you're dedicated. You're in the fight. You know, like I have something that goes Van Lathan, part-time ally. That's as deep as I get. You know what I mean? But uh, for you... Like, it seems like that's taking on a lot. Black transgender activists, it, it, we know that uh, our trans brothers and sisters are under attack in America. So... The first question I'll start off with is, how how are you doing? I am doing okay. Um, you know, it's Women's History Month. We're like a week or so out from Trans Day of Visibility. Um, so it's a good time. It's a hectic time. There are a lot of conversations like these that I'm having um, and a lot of things that I'm working on. Um, but I feel great. You know, I, you know, I think one of the things people always assume when I come into the room bringing my full self as a Black trans woman, oh, your life is just tragic. You know, they they don't even consider us as anything but a hypothetical. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I just like had a late lunch. That might have been the struggle today. Um, but, you know, I have family that loves me, that cares about me. I have friends and community. You know, I was out at a play the other night, you know, I have a life outside of, you know, kind of being this like social justice, like pillar, I think for other people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, uh, often, you know, know, the thing about that is why don't I get that? 
Because I have to say that to people too. Sometimes people will hit me up and they'll be like, Van, did you see this injustice that happened? And I'll be like, bro, it's Sunday. I'm chilling. <laughs> like, like, I'm not this guy. Anyway. Um, so uh, Leah Thomas, we're talking about the fact that Leah Thomas uh, won NCAA swimming competition. And uh, that has really ignited a debate in America. A debate in America about what's fair for female athletes in terms of competition against um, how do I say the competition against trans women athletes, right? Is that is, is would that be the way to say it? Now, the reason why I'm being so particularly delicate here is because I, like a lot of people, look at the Leah Thomas situation and at first when I see it, I go, well, that doesn't seem fair. But the purpose of having the discussion on the podcast is really in this situation to get to what I and so many other people might be missing when we have these discussions. That's why I'm glad uh, that you're here today. Tell me, what am I missing? For anyone who thinks that it doesn't seem fair, what am I missing? I mean, I think we're missing a lot. So I would even back up. I actually think the trans sports conversation is one that people lead with, particularly people who know that they don't like trans people. They lead with that one with the general public because they know that it's so convoluted. They know that there are so many different ways that we inhabit our bodies, whether you are trans or not trans, which we call cisgender. Um, so I think backing up and understanding at the heart of a lot of these conversations around fairness and equality for trans people is, are trans people really who we say we are? And so when we talk about trans women, if you can't even respect trans women as women in the workplace or as women in your family or as women in your community, then yeah, it's gonna be a jump to understand that trans women should be able to compete with other women in sports. Hmm. So it's like, I'm, I'm so, so happy you're here to have this conversation and to break it down because sometimes, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of what we call our listeners thought warriors might feel this way as well is, you know, it's such a, as you said, convoluted topic where I feel like, can I even speak about it? You know, I'm not a part of the community. I'm not an athlete in that sense. I mean, you know, let me tell you back in the day, you know, big rage <laughs> got all around on the track and the basketball shopping fan on the, on the track. <laughs> but I, I'm not, I was not a collegiate athlete. And so I feel like, do I even have the right to speak up? So even before I get into that, what would you say to someone like me who comes to you and says, like, can I even speak to what's going on? Like, I, can I have an opinion? Sometimes I feel comfortable about, uncomfortable, I mean, about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like any other conversation that you might be having about a community that either you're not a part of or that is on the margins. I mean, it's like white people saying like, should we be discussing like the racism that like, this is just on my mind because I just saw King Richard, but that Serena and Venus experienced in sports, right? I don't know that I would be comfortable with the average white person having a conversation with a white person on a podcast. Hell no. Without, you know, the input of someone who's actually a part of the community and who knows what's going on. So I understand people's fears. And I think particularly for other Black folks, 
It's like, well, you also have to understand that that is the same excuse that like white people use to not engage with race. Right. right. To not engage with the differences that we may experience. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, that fear is real. It's valid. And also, I think having these conversations are so key. But, you know, I'm not a, a neuroscientist, so I'm not about to hop on a podcast and have a conversation about neuroscience without having some conversations behind the scenes first to see where things are to understand things and to also Google and do my research right first. And I think that that's where we have a lot of these problems is that a lot of times the people who talk about trans issues in the news or in politics don't actually know trans people, haven't actually read anything that trans writers, journalists, authors like myself have written, right, have not consumed authentic media from us. And so they're just kind of out there pontificating with no like lifeboat to fall back on, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So let me tell you what my fear is. And I mentioned this earlier when we were breaking down the topic on the podcast. My fear is that this, and this is, this is the bullshit burden that marginalized people have to deal with sometimes. My fear is that this issue, uh, just, it's such a binary issue to so many people that it normalizes this talk of the assholes, right? I think what we all want in America is an America that's equitable, an America that is uh, that where we have equality, where everyone can live who they are, be who they are, and that they're accepted and celebrated for that. Not just accepted, but celebrated for being who they are. When people see an athlete who was in the 400s as a male swimmer transition into a, uh, a, a lady swimmer and then win the NCAA championship, they right away go, that's not fair. They say a year of hormone therapy or whatever it is can't undo the scientific advantage that you might have through puberty. And that to me, then it comes back, It to me, it others, sometimes the uh, our brothers and sisters in the trans community, because then it starts to look like, hey, these are people, Americans, who only care about their agenda and don't really care about the fairness of institutions that have been around for a long time. And it it sometimes fuels it. And if we don't talk about it, then we can't get into the nuance of how we go about this and how we go about this inclusion and bring everybody in. The reason why I say that is like, for someone that says it's not fair, for someone that says, that shouldn't happen for some of the female athletes like Martina Navratilova, uh, Martina Navratilova, Diana Nyad, that say that's not fair. That should not be happening. Are they right or wrong? Again, I think that is a convoluted question. I think everyone's bodies are different, right? So let, let's be clear. Prior to my medical transition and, and hormone replacement therapy, I wasn't a good athlete then. Uh And I'm not a good athlete now. Um, So I I think that we have to consider that what makes someone elite is it's different. It's not always the same for each person. Now, I will say I, I, I completely understand why folks will look at this and kind of side eye like what is going on, because there has been some murkiness with what's been considered the standards. Um, Right. 
around hormone levels, right? Like, like notably, some of those standards have shifted for different um, athletic bodies versus others. That, that was a big thing, obviously, with the NCAA was like, they just, they opted out of shifting the rules for Leah Thomas to compete. They punted on it. Right, because yeah. they were already in the middle of a season and right. that would have been unfair, right? So I think, obviously, on either side, they would have gotten a backlash. I think what we have to to consider is this is a particular case. Leah Thomas is a particular person. And I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to profess to be a scientist and know, you know, the ins and outs of what their barometers or things are. But I will say with hormone replacement therapy, a lot of the general public discounts the kind of changes that happen um physically and medically for a trans person because I just started CrossFit like a year ago and I will tell you even though I'm also older than I was obviously at the start of my medical transition um I am not as strong as I once was I cannot (laughs) carry as much as I used to be able to carry but I will say I'm not saying that that's the experience for every trans person that is just my personal experience Mm -hmm. so you know, it in hearing your response to to what Van you know, Van's question was, it does seem like you're saying things are kind of on a case by case, or that this is a particular case. But we are seeing this being addressed, even not just on the in in the NAAC, uh, NAACP, uh, the um, NCAA, but also in you know if people are starting to have these conversations in high school and junior high when it comes to sports. And so I'm wondering, and I don't even know if you have this answer, but what should be done because it doesn't seem like applying a blanket rule is going to work if everything is done on a case-by-case basis or if each case is different you know um would it be offensive if there were certain categories and and like uh, i think martina was the one who said you know there should be a category for biological females and then an open category for everyone else like would that be offensive and and like i've I, I'm, I don't know if that sounds ignorant to ask that, but I think that's that's something that people might be wondering. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'll just offer, you know, the terminology biological female is is one that we consider to be outdated now, right? Okay. Because we know it takes a lot of different factors to be considered female. Mm-hmm. Are we saying hormonal uh, levels? Are we saying chromosomal levels right and there was actually a high profile case a few years ago with a south african runner named who was you know cisgender woman you know assigned female at birth Mm -hmm. and and had been competing and they said that her hormonal levels particularly around testosterone were too high right Mm -hmm. and so what does that mean for them um, and I, I want to note, and I'm, I'm coming back around to your question, I promise. But I, I want to note also that I think we also have to look at the ways that even Black women who are not trans have been treated within the sports world, right? A lot of this conversation that's about fear, about them dominating the sports. I mean, some of those headlines are ripped right out of what, for instance, Serena and Venus went through, what, 20 or so years ago, Right. Mm-hmm. This idea that, you know, they were so unnaturally superhuman, whatever they were dominating against these little white women. And I also think that we have to be very clear that there's a reason why overwhelmingly the women who are the most transphobic against 
trans women athletes tend to be privileged white women because huh. for me as, as a black trans woman I'm looking at the spectrum of hate mm-hmm. and the hate against trans women and trans people and and just that kind of particular misogyny and phobia that trans people face is completely connected to white supremacy huh. because there's this there's a, a certain amount of entitlement there and so any anyone that comes in and in that kind of you know, mixes up the conversation a little bit more, it's seen as a threat. And I think that that is a lot, a lot of where some of this fear is coming from. Going back to the youth, um, that answer, again, I think it depends on who you talk to. I had a conversation with some trans, young trans athletes, um, like two weeks ago. They're amazing. I have like this town hall that's coming out with them. Um, But, you know, there were some who were saying, you know, I, I, as a trans woman, really want to be able to play with other girls, right? Or I, as a trans boy, want to really be able to play with other boys. But Mm -hmm. they felt so ostracized in some of those instances that they really didn't have any other choice. And then there was another young trans person that was like, I I had to find sports that were more gender neutral so that I could feel comfortable and still be able to do whatever I was passionate about. So I think I think the answer varies. And, and I, I hate that I can't give you a definitive one because I, I do think that it varies across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you don't think it's fair. Mm-hmm. Because I look at the Leah Thomas case and I just like intellectually, it just doesn't seem fair. Does that mean that you're transphobic? Would you say that someone that looks at that and goes, well, that's not right. Like we need to search. And when I say that's not right, I mean that particular case, meaning I don't think that the NCAA is devoting enough time to doing the scientific work to figure out what exactly the threshold should be here. But in that case, going from there to number one, it doesn't seem fair. Does that make you transphobic if you feel that way? I feel like I'm always like inserting nuance and I, and, and I want to be able to, to give <laughs> no, like a no, definitive that, answer, but right. most people are transphobic, man. Like, let's uh, be real. Yeah. Let's be real. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people just like out and about, right? Whether it was like, you know, an Uber driver or it was some guy that like hit on me on the street or, it was like someone at a, you know, at a church or whatever, who looked at me differently and treated me completely differently once they learned that I was trans or once I told them that I was trans. Uh-huh. And, and we see this time and time again on social media, especially if you're on the black side of social media. I mean, how many times do we say, do we hear people say or read people say, Here's that agenda again. They coming after us. They're coming <laughs> after the black family. Yeah, they're you know, they going on no real years, men man. anymore yeah. because they're all trying to feminize us, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of those ignorant ideas feed into why someone would be so quick to say, "Well, obviously, Leah Thomas is some kind of op because <laughs> because I already don't like trans people, right? Uh-huh. I mean, I think that there's a lot of unlearning which I love Rachel you you talk about this so much the unlearning that we have to do around Mm -hmm. the things that's been indoctrinated in us that we didn't even know was a problem Mm -hmm. I mean I grew up in the 90s right I mean I grew up you know in Georgia 
in a very Catholic family. You know, there was nothing telling me really until I got to college that, oh, people can have different gender experiences. Oh, people can be attracted to different types of people. I didn't get any of that education, right? Like those, I learned who I was, unfortunately, from being called a sissy first, right? Or, oh, wow. or being told I was just like a girl. And I think for me and a lot of other older trans folks who've been through that, for us, it's about us having more of these conversations so that the next generation of folks, Gen Z is identifying more as LGBTQ than any previous generation, that they don't have to deal with the same kind of hate that we dealt with along the way. Amazing. Uh, Raquel Willis, you have a debut memoir coming out. Look, it's interesting in the way this is written. It says Raquel is currently working on her debut memoir. Now, listen, the reason why I say that's interesting is because can you come back with a sequel from a memoir? Can you do yeah. multiple? You can is have that a part true? two. I think you could have I, a part I, two. I, I didn't know that like you could have multiple memoirs that you could MM. That you uh, could have multiple memoirs. Okay. You, so, you know, the, the funny thing is a lot of people conflate an autobiography, which is usually a person's story from birth until maybe death or wherever yeah. they are in their life, right. with a memoir that typically is capturing a particular moment in their life or time in their life. So this memoir is only capturing really the last, really from like 2013 to 2020. Oh, okay. So it's not capturing my whole life. So are you going to put... So it's a prequel this coming. She could do a well, prequel. <laughs> Just... Kind of. Kind of. I, the... I imagine there being another memoir that's like my coming of identity. I did. I initially started the project wanting to tell kind of a, a more typical um, coming of identity story. Like I transitioned and da 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 And I still think that there's a place for that. But after George Floyd happened... Um, and, and unfortunately was murdered and there was this social justice awakening, I was like, oh, you know, the narrative that we haven't really discussed is like, what has it been like for a Black trans woman who is an activist to be a part of all of these different movements over, you know, this era of like Black Lives Matter or trans visibility? I don't know anyone else who has kind of written about that. And I think that that would seem more interesting. Very. Huh. Uh, yeah. That actually left me with one more question. Okay. <laughs> one more question. You make me nervous, man. I'm sorry. It left, me, it, it left me with one more question. This is the question. Okay. You just mentioned George Floyd. Uh -huh. You just mentioned the fact that you've showed up uh, in situations where Black people have been in peril in order to force the establishment to change the status quo. Do you feel like black people show up for your plight in that same way? Um and I'm not meaning to generalize. No. I'm not I meaning know. to generalize. Do you you've shown up for George Floyd? Do you feel like the community by and large shows up for you? Well, you know, I think even baked in, into your question, I know you don't mean this this way, but even baked into your question is that 
you know, as a Black trans woman, I'm outside of the Black community. Right. And, and I think that that is where a lot of our people come from. You know, they don't inherently think of Black LGBTQ people as a part of the Black community, which is a problem. Um, I, I think that when I consider the Black community, I, I like to just lay down the context. I don't think that the Black community is any more homophobic or transphobic than white people. Let's okay. be clear, because overwhelmingly, the people trying to pass anti-trans or anti-LGBTQ legislation writ large are white people. Sure. Black right. people ain't got time to, to literally organize in that way that, right. that, that white people tend to. So right. that is a thing. But I will say, I think that our community has particular hangups around gender and identity that are historic. You know, I think Black men and Black masculinity, I think that there is a truth that, it, that they have been demonized. And I don't think you would find any Black feminist, Black woman, Black queer person, or trans person who would ignore that fact. But I will say, we can't act as if patriarchy is not alive and well within our community. And so there's a reason why many more people would organize around a George Floyd than a Breonna Taylor. Yes, uh. eventually Breonna Taylor's story got out there, but it took a, a little minute. It, it right. was not given the same care and attention that George Floyd got. And, and George Floyd was killed after Breonna Taylor. So let's, also, sure. let's also remember that. Yeah. Not to mention I, this epidemic of violence that Black trans people face. And I know that that will sound alarmist and sensational to a lot of people who are not privy to this information. But the, the trans folks who are most murdered tend to be Black trans women, Latina trans women, right? And overwhelmingly, it is at the hands of Black men, you know, Black cis straight men, whatever, whatever. And I do think that part of the, the issue there is we need to be giving more spaces for healing to all Black people. And so that means Black women need more spaces to heal. That also means Black men need more spaces to heal and, and find a healthier masculinity. We talk a lot about toxic masculinity, but what is the healthier masculinity that lets Black men know, oh, they can experience fear without having to get angry and violent about it. They can experience uncertainty without having to get ang angry and violent about it. They can experience joy, right? And have a full range of human ex emotions um, and not be violent about it. And also they can love who they wanna love and that doesn't make them less of a man. I think that that's also a big part of the conversation. Absolutely. Ooh, absolutely. Uh, right. I, I just want to say, I, I don't even have a, a question. Just thank you for being here. But then also, I, I, you know, like we're starting to have this conversation. We've been saying for a long time that we were going to have these conversations on our podcast. And I'm so glad that we're starting to do that. But for people who, you know, need to not just want to but need to learn more need to be talking about, you know, and I, I, I just want to say I love that you don't separate 
you know, like the black trans community from black people. You said like you talk about it as a whole. And I think that that's what we need to start doing as well. So where can people find some resources, some website, find what you're doing out there so we can keep this conversation going? Yeah, well, I, I'm really proud of this um, Black Trans History TikTok series that I did for Black History Month. I really found like a bunch of figures from literally like the 1800s, the early 1900s, oh, wow. who would be considered trans today, right? Who lived as who they are. And and I can nerd out about all of this for, for years, but a lot of the earliest records we have of black trans people are actually criminal and court records because a lot of times you would be arrested for wearing clothing that they they told you you couldn't wear because of your gender. And I think a lot of a lot of us don't know that in terms of the history of the criminalization of black people. So I would say look up the black trans history TikTok, some amazing books. There's one called Black on Both Sides by a scholar called C. Riley Snorton. Amazing book. I would also lift up my sister, Janet Mock, who I'm sure some folks know her first two memoirs, um, Redefining Realness and Surpassing Certainty are amazing. Um, And there's a movie, well, it's really a documentary on Strong Island by a Black trans director named Yance Ford that I would say people could watch that too and learn more. And they kind of talk about their brother who who was murdered in the 90s by a white man that he worked with and and the jury was not on their side so so that's a few different things there's a lot more out there follow me i'm always sharing more resources you know follow you where oh just raquel willis raquelwillis.com raquel willis on ig twitter you know i try to have it synced up so All right. Thank you so much for joining yes, us today. Thank we you. really appreciate it. All right, you guys, we're going to be right back on the other side of this break. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Raquel was great. Fantastic. And you know what I like? 
is that she was like, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. You know, I'm sure people come to her all the time and are like, you know, tell me what to do or, you know, like, how can we f fix this problem? And I think the biggest takeaway from what she said is like, we got to talk about it. We have to have these conversations. Yeah, it's true. I don't do that with white people. I know you don't. When white people come up and they ask me how to solve this problem, I just, I just, I always have an answer. The answer is a lot of, sometimes the answer is like not my real answer. Like, man, how do we solve uh, like racism? You know how we solve it? Stop being a bitch. How about that? That's what you do. Man, I there is know some how truth can, into that. Man, I want to know how, how you can, how you can, how we can help out. How can I be a good ally by getting your head out of your fucking ass? That's how. That's the kind of allies I want. Y'all, just ask me. <laughs> just ask me. Rachel, big stuff happening right now in D.C. Mm -hmm. Katanji Brown Jackson. It's day one for a confirmation hearing. She is, uh, in all probability, going to be the first black lady judge mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the history of the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody knows what a big, huge thing that is to me. Mm -hmm. All right, they've been coming at her. I want to... I want to um, I want to throw something out here. I saw this. See what you think about this because you're a legal eagle. You're a legal eagle. Ha -ha! <laughs> All right. Right now. As far as someone who has had public high school, Ivy League law school, Supreme Court clerk, public defender, has been on a sentencing commission, has been a district judge, and a court of appeals judge with all of those things, there is one judge that checks off all of those boxes when we talk about qualifications. Ivy League Law School obviously went to a public high school, which is you know, a big deal because you want people to be seasoned and being around the regular folks. Supreme Court clerk, a public defender on a sentencing commission, a district judge, and in the court of appeals, there's one person. Do you know who that is? Uh yeah. Wait, they currently sit on the court? They're not currently on the court. Oh yeah, we're talking about Katanji. Wrong, Clarence Thomas. Just joking. Uh, <laughs> I, was like, I know that ain't the case. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Katanji Jackson. So it, it just seems weird that a sister steps to the door who's overqualified, super qualified, and they pay Is her. Is it weird? Well, not weird. But Is you know it weird? It it's to be expected. Right. Like this is where why phrases like twice as hard for half as much come about. Like, you know, you got to be at the top of your game. You can't half ass it when you're stepping into really anything as a first. Uh, she addressed the committee opening statements. This is what she had to say. The first of my many blessings is the fact that I was born in this great nation. A little over 50 years ago in September of 1970, Congress had enacted two civil rights acts in the decade before, and like so many who had experienced lawful racial segregation firsthand, my parents, Johnny and Ellery Brown, left their hometown of Miami, Florida, and moved to Washington, D.C. to experience new freedom. When I was born here in Washington, my parents were public school teachers. And to express both pride in their heritage and hope for the future, they gave me an African name, Katanji Onyika, which they were told means lovely one. 
my parents taught me that unlike the many barriers that they had had to face growing up, my path was clearer so that if I worked hard and I believed in myself in America, I could do anything or be anything I wanted to be. You know, you know, can I tell you something? Tell me. That's beautifully said. Beautifully yeah. put. You know why? Despite, 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 besides the fact that she is, you know, way smarter, way more qualified, as so is President Obama, so is Michelle Obama, so is everyone that's on that level. Do you know why that'll never be me? Why? Or it could never be me? It's because, like, why? they really love America for real. I could tell in her voice that she loves America. Like, she what really loves America. What is she supposed America. to say? I, she's got to love America. Like, people, this is a thing that they don't think. Like, for me, I'm not like a super patriot because I'll. <laughs> no, you're not. But what is she supposed to say? She really loves America, though, for real. She's devoted her entire life to the American process. And sometimes black people don't get credit for being patriots. And that's because, let's be honest. We kind of judge black patriots. If like if you if you're a black person and you love, 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 like love America, like you isn't that like weird? So you know what? I didn't look at it as much as like she love loves America. I just I guess I just looked at it as she, as you said, has dedicated her life to people right. and to helping people, which happens to be in this country, America. Right. She loves people, she wants people to help people she wants people like she has a talent a gift where a she gift. can be in a position to help people you know who look like her as well and i and i that's more of i guess what i got from that right then i got like she's like about to you know strike a verse from i'm proud to be an american <laughs> i was just thinking about that song that's a while ago. i used to like that song when i was a kid did we all love it I used to and love i wanna stand, stand up, up. Proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. (laughs) (laughs) At least you know you're free. What are you talking about? And I'll gladly stand Stand up. God bless the USA. I used to get so I used to I used to get so fucking I used to get so into that song. Why the fuck? You know what I'm saying? At least I know I'm free. All my uncles in jail. Um, so they're always they're, 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 Who sings the song? <laughs> at least I know I'm free. It sounds nah, like nigga. Bob Seger or something yeah, like that. Yeah, free. They put us in jail, nigga. Um, so Lee Greenwood. Lee Greenwood. Wait, Go that, Lee. Wait, have you seen Lee? Let me see Lee. Let me see Lee Greenwood. I bet Lee Greenwood got so many N words. Just, just type, just type in "proud to be an American" because I want Damn, you to Lee see the Greenwood, same. Oh, I just, that is not who I would have thought. That's... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is not who I would have thought that that was. He was a member of the National Council of the Arts. He's a Republican, of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> wow, it was released in 1984. I don't know why I thought that song was older than that. They don't have any. I want to know what Lee Greenwood's uh, controversies are. Let me see. Okay. Anyway, um, you know, so look, uh, the uh, the, the uh, oh, wait a minute. 
Did you find something? No, the day before the inauguration of Donald Trump, Lee Greenwood performed at the Make America Great Welcome Celebration. There you go. Lee Greenwood. I know it, nigga. All right. right. So, look, uh, the Republicans have come out with their pitchforks against uh, Katanji. Coming out. Um, This is what Senator Ted Cook from uh, a Republican from Texas, your home state, has said. Uh, She is part of the Democratic effort to abolish the police. Is is uh is nominating justices that consistently side with violent criminals, release violent criminals, refuse to enforce the law, uh, and that results in jeopardizing innocent citizens. Now, this is uh coming from the fact that number one, she served as a public defender, which is you know part of America. People say, hey, you public defender, that means you must love criminals. As you can say. Um, and also uh, she's been a part of several progressive criminal justice policies. The Republicans never cease to amaze me. <laughs> One second, the Republicans are, hey, we let more niggas out than anybody. First step act, we are changing criminal justice reform in this country forever. And it's Kushner and Trump. Kushner and Trump. Captain save hose We're going to go around to everyone and let everybody out of jail. Everybody that's ever been in jail, we're going to let them out because we're changing the way this goes. But as soon as you get a justice in there who's dedicated their life to really examining these things and talking about sentence reform and talking about these issues on a judicial level, now, soft on crime, pro-letting criminals out. When I thought the Republicans were taking responsibility and credit for criminal justice reform. Did you call him Senator Ted Crook? Cuck. Ted Cuck. Rachel, what is- do you know what a cuck is? It's not a big deal. Can I, can I get the spelling? Let's guess. C-U-C-K. Rachel, what is a cuck? Dick. <laughs> no. <laughs> it has something to do with that, though. Okay, so cuck is short for the, a term called cuckold. Do you know what it means to be cuckolded? No. Donnie, do you? Well, oh, no, 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 no. Hell no. You are not allowed at all. Donnie, do you know what it means to be cuckolded? Uh, yes, I do. Donnie, before we get to the definition, Trudy. Trudy? Trudy already looked it up. Trudy, do you know what it means to be cuckolded? No. What is that? Interesting. You guys go to different websites than I do. Donnie, what does it mean to be cuckolded? A cuckold is a person who uh, enjoys watching somebody have sex with their significant other. I don't know if it's Boom! strictly man or a woman. I thought that was like voyeurism. Right. So cuckold is really when if like your if your woman is fucking another person, then you're a cuck. You're a beta cuck bastard. You're a little beta cuck, little cucky cuck. Cuckold. Let's let's look at the higher learning word of the week. We're gonna start do word of the week every week. Cuckold. All right. Cuckolding. No, that's the, not the words we're teaching our audience. Cuckolding. Cuckold. Cuckolding is the act in which a man or woman enjoys watching their partner have sex with another person. The word cuckold is based on the cuckoo bird, which disguises its eggs in other birds' nests and leaves them <laughs> to take care of the hatchlings. Oh, you got cuckolded. So, yeah, he's a cuck. He's a beta cuck. He's a cuck. He's a cuck. He's a cuck. Think about it, you little cuck. 
You know what I mean? You like watching somebody cook I don't it like up. it. You don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the word. I don't like the word. Cuck of the Listen, week. I mean, if while we're throwing out words, like when it comes to the, I, what I find most interesting with the re- Republicans, or at least Republicans like Senator Ted Cruz, is the hypocrisy of it all. Like if you looked up hypocrite, hypocrisy, whatever form of the word you want to use, it would absolutely be the Republicans in this instance. Like nothing matters. There's nothing, there's nothing to stand on this. It's just like whatever the day it is, whatever the issue, whatever is going to push forward the agenda, you know, like the purpose, the bill, whatever it may be, the person that's that is what they're standing on and it's always going to be fickle and fleeting it will change the next day the next week the next month like there's nothing that they hold on to that's sacred that's value other than i don't know themselves and their own opinions they used to be though it used to be that way populism is something that's become uh with the rise of donald trump populism is something that's become a bigger staple in the republican party but it wasn't always that way there used to be five or six linchpin sort of uh arguments that you could at least at least they would talk like now it's crazy now their president comes in spends a whole what but spends a whole lot uh they're for spending for the government or they're for their pro welfare you give billions and billions of dollars to the farmers right. now you come in you you want your bill back better deal they're against it politically that when the democrat is in office they don't give a fuck about the deficit when the uh, excuse me, when Republicans in the office, they don't give a fuck about the deficit. When the Democrats in the office, all the deficit is the deficit is one big huge deal. There's some of that that's political, like life as usual, like political, like politics as usual there. But the Republicans have really, really, really turned to populism in a way that uh is is really concerning because that means as crazy as their constituents are, that's how crazy they'll be. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you govern it from the from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. All right, more is over. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I thought it had been over. I thought we'd been watching reruns this entire time. I did not know new episodes were being made every single year. I thought we were watching watching syndicated shows here. Were you aware that Maury's still on the air? I've never watched one episode of Maury, ever. Yeah, I definitely have. I've definitely watched a full episode. Yeah, never. But you've seen clips. Of course. Okay. Uh, NBC Universal executive told Deadline it's canceling Maury at the end of the 2021 season. It's been on 30 years. Shout out to Maury Povich. Uh, Maury said he was ready to retire six years ago, but he said, and I quote, I'm so proud of my relationship with NBC Universal and all those who worked on the show. Uh, but as a, as I as I occasionally tell my guests on Maury, enough already, he said. I wanted to retire six years ago but Maury says, and I quote, you niggas wouldn't stop busting off raw. <laughs> is what Maury said. Uh, I will say this. So there's been a lot of shows that have gotten axed recently. I know there's some talk about whether or not The Real is coming back. Wendy Williams uh, is gone. But the show, I think, is sticking around. I'm not sure about that. Nick Cannon is Nick gone. Cannon, yeah. yeah. Nick was doing a great job. Shout out to Nick over there. But And I don't know if that's... I mean, obviously, these are staples that have been around for a long time. I just don't know if that's because of TV. You know, it's a newer Streaming. generation now, but there's still, I mean, but there's still a huge audience that TV. watches daytime TV. Exactly. Kelly Clarkson doing well. Tamron Hall doing well. Ellen, the end of Ellen is coming. So Ellen will have to resort to screaming at people in the um, grocery Stop. store now. Won't be able to do it on her show behind the scenes. Uh, look, here's the thing about the Maury show. 
Last thing I'll say before we get to very serious question. Rachel, there's a hole in the marketplace. I think higher learning should be the new place that you come when you don't know if that baby is yours. All right. Well, we'll take, we'll take, uh, Donnie, let's get a message about uh, paternity tests. Paternity tests on higher learning. You think I'm joking. I would like to do that here. You know, I would like to do paternity tests. There's two, two things on Maury that I know are there that I would like to do. I would like to do, because there's two things that I like that Maury would do. I would like to do paternity tests and kids gone crazy. I personally think doesn't Dr. Phil kind of do kids going crazy? Is that Dr. Phil with kids going crazy? Well, no, I mean like that's like where Catch Me Outside came out, like where you can't control oh, your it kids. Oh, was Dr. And... Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, because I was just thinking that because I've seen kids going crazy. They come out, everybody's like, "Boo!" And she's like, "Fuck you, bitch." Yeah. So fuck, what? You so want to fight? You want to fight? Fuck that's you! It. Fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! You want to fight me? I'll fight you. We'll I'll fight you. Fuck. I don't that's, give a yeah, fuck. Exactly yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> fuck you. And then there's a fucking drill sergeant that comes out there and the drill sergeant runs out there oh that's the name of the drill sergeant no I'm just saying like he ended up getting his own show the bodyguard came from Jerry Springer remember yeah but he wasn't the drill sergeant for the wild kids no but he was like I feel you yeah 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 yeah. my grandma used to like Steve uh, back in back in Dallas they used to do I believe it was the Ricky Smiley morning show that did paternity test Tuesdays and you'd call (laughs) and you'd call in Paternity test. You are. It was Ricky Smiley. You are not the father. They did it all the time. Paternity test Tuesdays. Tell you what. This show does come out on a Tuesday. If you ain't never been through that, there's like a feeling. It's only happened to me twice in my 20s. There's a feeling. There's a feeling of when somebody's going to say that. Like you get the call. Hey, how you doing? What's up? How you doing? I'm just chilling. Sitting around here. I've been feeling kind of. I don't know, a little off. And all of a sudden, your heart starts beating a little bit. What you mean you've been feeling off? What you got? Like, full, clo- cold, flu, something like that? What's going on? No, 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 no. Like, you know, it's like sick, like my body. Like, it just it feels like, you know, it's just, I know how I feel. It's like, I feel a little different. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I got to go. No, no, no. I got to tell you something. What you got to tell me? I got to tell you something. Seriously. What you got to tell me? I know, I'm, you know how I said I'm feeling well. I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little late. You late for what? Huh? What are you late for? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you late? You mean you late for class? What you mean? Say, say it. Say you late. What you late for? What you late? You missed the bus? And then, boy, then the, next fu- then the next fucking X amount of time. I remember that drive. One time I drove to her house, picked her up. The drive to Walmart, you can hear a fucking pin drop. Man. I'm like, is this how I'm going out? All right. Very serious question. Very serious question. <laughs> very serious question of the week. All right. If you had to be the last person in a sea of other people on earth, would you be the la- would you rather be the last of your race or the last of your gender? Would you that rather is be such a good question? Would you rather be the only it. black per- person on earth or would you rather be the only woman on earth? I'd rather be the only woman. It's going to be tough. I need to, I need to be I don't want to be the only black. It's going to be tough. I don't want to be the only black. It's going to be no, originally I was like, "Oh no, I don't want to be all these men and just me." 
but I don't want to be the only black person. But that's you saying you would rather, it's essentially you saying you would rather have men as allies than have women as allies. That's not true. That's not true. That's how you saw it. That's not what I saw. Think about it. Think about it. No Ellen Pompeo. You know what I mean? It's like, what's your answer? Huh? What's your answer? It's different for me. I'd rather be the only man. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great question. I'd rather be. I'd rather be the only man. But you know, you know what's wild? When you said the the last of your race, and when I saw me as the only black person, I only saw white folks. Yeah. For say that and like and so I'm Latinos. But like <laughs> right. Yeah. Obviously there would be I would there would be other people of color there. Right. But yeah. I just I just you'd want have a you'd black. have a whole tribe of Jennifer Lopez Puerto Ricans. You know, you'd have you'd have your Asian homies, but uh, you made your decision. All right, you guys. Oh we're coming back later on this week. I promise to have an unexpected ally of the week this week. I promise. Okay. All right, that's enough. Um, uh, take the caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. We out. Bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.